Isn't the Lord wonderful? Hallelujah. It is indeed a blessing to be here. And we're excited about the different things that's been happening and what's about to happen. You know, faith is seeing the unseen. And faith is seeing what's coming before it arrives and declaring it. Amen? See, faith has a vision. Faith can see. Faith can see the unseen. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, Paul said, while we look not at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal or temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal forever. So we're really supposed to develop faith eyes. And that's the eyes of your heart. And begin to see what God sees. Hallelujah. Amen. And I've learned it a long time ago. When you see what he sees and then speak it. Amen. You create with God. Isn't that beautiful? How many is ready to create some things? See what God sees. Amen. See tomorrow today and declare it. Decree it. Amen. This is extra, but Jeremiah did that in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. When God asked Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now, it's interesting that uh, before that time, at the very first part of Jeremiah chapter 1, God is telling Jeremiah about his call. He's speaking to him, but Jeremiah can't quite see it. He's, he's I'm just a child. Why, well, I'm really nobody. And you know what the Lord said to him? Say not that you're just a child. Don't say that. That's not what I said. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, only say what God says. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, don't say that. And then he kept talking to him. And then in Jeremiah... 11, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now, I want, to, I want to say this to you. God will never ask you what you see in the natural. Amen? Because that doesn't change anything. Seeing in the natural keeps everything natural. Keeps it the same. But when you see in the Spirit, and what's interesting what you see in the Spirit is really the truth. And it's the way God intends it to be. So we need to see that. And you see that by the Word. You know, the Word gives you faith vision. This is extra. I wouldn't plan on saying this. But it has to do with authority. The Word gives you faith vision. Isn't that interesting? In other words, the more you read and study the Word and the more you hear God speak to you, it produces Vision. In fact, all words do. We actually learn to speak our language by what we call see and say. Did you know that? As little children, you know, you, you'll, you'll hold a ball and say to the child, ball, ball, ba, 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 ball. And the little child starts picking up on it. So every time the child sees the ball, the child to try to say ball. Amen? So all of language produces vision of some kind. If I was to say to you that uh, in a little bit there will be a gorilla that will walk through the door and he'll have a purple hat on and pink shoes. Now, you didn't see the word gorilla, did you? How many saw a word that said gorilla? Although I said gorilla, right? But you saw a gorilla. Anybody see a gorilla? What kind of hat did he have? Yeah. You saw the purple. Who saw the purple hat? Did anybody see what color shoes? They were pink, right? So you saw pink. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? Words produce images. That's called communication. So that when we say something, we hear a word, we relate it to something we can see. That's interesting, isn't it? That's why God's word is meant to produce vision for us. And without a vision, people perish. 
See, you have no faith till you, oh, come on. You have no faith till you have faith vision. You have to see what he is saying. Is anybody picking this up? You have to see what God's word is saying. When you can see what God's word is saying, then you'll begin to speak it. And I'm going to show you from the word, God will create it. This is extra. But it came so powerful, somebody here needs to come into the realm of seeing. Amen? Faith vision. So he said, what do you see? He said, I see the branch or the rod of an almond tree. Now, it's interesting what this actually meant. Because how many remembers the story of Aaron's rod that budded? Do you remember the story? And it represented that Aaron had been called. So for God to show him that almond rod budding, it was exactly the same type of rod that Aaron took and, and, and gave to have taken into the Holy of Holies with, you know, 11 other people who are all claiming that they were supposed to be the high priest. But the only, the only one rod budded, it was Aaron's. And it proved God had called Aaron. Now notice, God was trying to talk to Jeremiah, saying, Jeremiah, I've called you. Jeremiah, I've called you. He still couldn't quite see it. Come on, somebody. But then the Lord said, now what are you really seeing? Look, look with the eyes of faith. What do you see with the eyes of faith? Why, well, I see the budding of an almond tree. Now it represented, number one, he was seeing that God had called him. Number two, the, the, the almonds. See, whenever the budding of the almonds, they produce almonds. Almonds are a great cash uh, crop in Israel. So it represents prosperity. Get this. Not only are you called Jeremiah, but you're going to have enough resource to fulfill your call. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Somebody here needs to see that God has called you. Say, has God called me? God hadn't called me to preach. He hadn't called me. To... Listen, he's called everyone here to do something. You wouldn't be alive if you weren't called. In other words, you had a purpose, right? Then God, listen, God first devised a purpose. Then he came up with a plan. Then he created the person. Amen? So your purpose is absolutely important. That's why you're here. Amen? So you have to see it. And if you'll seek the Lord, He will reveal it to you. Amen? He said, you're going to search me. You're going to find me when you search for me with all of your heart, and I shall be found of you, saith the Lord. That, that's over in Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning with verse 11, going through a couple other verses. But we begin to see that that God has a plan for us because he has a purpose. And then he created the person. So the creation, that, that's why babies are so important, is because they had a purpose. Then God came up with a plan. Then God created the baby. Do you realize the worst part about abortion is, and it's horrible that they aborted a human life, but there's something worse they aborted a destiny. They aborted a purpose. Out of 90 million babies that have been aborted, each one of them, each one of them were a key, a key to help others. One of those babies could have been the one that would have come up with a cure for cancer. Come on, somebody. One of those babies could have been the one that would have come up with the cure for leukemia or heart disease. But Satan wanted to make sure their purpose was destroyed. So as, as horrible as it is that a, a human life was taken out early, prematurely, worse than that was the purpose will never be fulfilled. And in the earth, we will miss them and their purpose. Who that was extra. How many likes extra? I wasn't planning on going there, but somebody here needed to hear that. You have a purpose. God devised a plan. And you were created as a person. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Say, I'm not junk. I'm somebody. I have a purpose. 
God has a plan for me, and He created me. Isn't that awesome? You have something to do in the earth that's going to help other people. You're here to make a difference. Isn't that wonderful? Because of you, somebody's life's going to be better off. Because of you, somebody will be in heaven that would have been in hell. Because of you, somebody's going to be healed. Because of you, somebody's life will be turned around. Because of you, someone's life is better than it would have ever been. Whoo, man, that'll preach all by itself. Amen, sermon one. I wasn't planning on doing that. We want to talk tonight about how this authority is received and how it is also increased. How many want to see an increase of authority in your life in prayer and an increase of authority as you stand with other believers to see principalities destroyed off of regions and uh, off of your family and your loved ones? I'm going to first of all show you that, uh, in fact, I'm going to talk about four things. I'm going to talk about the delegation of authority, the revelation of authority, the submission of authority, and the impartation of authority. So we're going to give you four points real quick, and I'm not, I, I, I have enough teaching to do about three weeks every night. And, and uh, Pastor Lane, you were so right about it today. I was giving stuff that I could have easily broke into a week of just teaching on each point. She's right. And if you, if you get my book on Kingdom Authority, it's a big, thick book. It has about, what, 19, 20 chapters in it. So, <laughs> amen, there's a lot to it. But go to Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. And if we could do this in the, in the King James Version on these verses uh, later, I'll, there's, there's another version we might pull up. We might pull up Amplified later on. Luke chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2, and this is where Jesus called his 12 disciples together. Hallelujah. Did I throw you for a loop when I said King James? Oh, there it is. And he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. We, we, we hit this a little bit this morning, but the part that I want to stop, start with is that Jesus called his 12 disciples together and he gave them See, that's the part I want to show you. It's called delegated. Authority, true authority is delegated. If you ever get authority that was never delegated to you, then you usurped it. Satan, come on, usurped authority away from Adam and Eve. Anybody hearing this? So he's, he's operating in an authority that he usurped. He stole. He never served for it. He didn't go through the correct channels for it. It wasn't even meant for him. Anybody hearing this? So it's important to see that it is delegated. And with, with, with the delegation, there is an ability. Someone say, with the delegation, there is an ability. So he sent them to preach the kingdom of God. So it, listen. There's an authority to preach the word. And we, we talk about preaching the kingdom. It means share the good news. The kingdom of God is that Jesus is king and he's the ruler over all, right? He's the king. He wants to rule over all in our lives. That's, that's kingdom. And he came to set us free from the powers of darkness. In fact, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, it said, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, you've got to understand that Jesus came to reestablish what was lost in the Garden of Eden. He came to reestablish it and put it back in the hands of, of his people, of his children, his disciples. He sent them to preach the kingdom. So listen, that's what needs to be preached is good news, the good news of the kingdom. Amen? The good news of the kingdom. We need to be preaching that Jesus loves people and he wants to give them eternal life, amen, and that he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords, he's the master of the universe, right? And he came to give us life and that more abundant, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundant. How many sees that? So notice he, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Isn't it interesting? 
that Jesus would teach and preach and heal the sick. Teach and preach and heal the sick. Teach and preach and heal the sick. That is the gospel of the kingdom. And that's how gospel is manifested. Amen? And it should be, listen, there should always be the teaching and the preaching and the healing of the sick. Always. And I know that that that's true in this church, and it's supposed to be true in every church. Amen? There should be a proclamation of the gospel and then a demonstration of the gospel. Amen? Jesus would teach, preach, and heal the sick. And he did the same thing. In fact, someone actually said it, and I happen to believe it. The majority of the ministry of Jesus, in fact, one-third of his ministry, was manifesting healing and miracles. The other was the teaching. The other was the preaching. Amen? So that's what he did everywhere he went. He would teach, preach, and heal the sick. So listen, if you want to have a true ministry, teach, preach, and heal the sick. Amen? How many knows that is the Bible way? Now, there is a delegation, and the delegation is meant for disciples, disciplined learners, disciplined followers. You don't qualify to, to have this authority released into your life until, not until, you are a disciplined learner and a disciplined follower. A disciplined learner means you read the Word, you study the Word, come on, you do the Word. Read, study, meditate, pray, do. Read, study, meditate, pray, and 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 do. Simple, isn't it? But yet it's profound. Amen? Because the rubber meets the road when we apply it. Amen? That's where the real power is. Did you know it? The power isn't in you knowing something. The power is in you doing what you know. Activation, right? So in, in Matthew 10.1, let's quickly go to Matthew 10.1. Hallelujah. How many in love with the Word of God? Amen. You can't say you love God and not love His Word. Amen. In Matthew 10.1, and I want you to pick up on this. I want you to see this because, you know what, we're going to hit these as quickly as we can. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Again, Jesus is talking about giving power, which was really authority. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power. Now, the word power there is exousia. Someone say exousia. Now, this particular word happens to mean authority, jurisdiction, force. So it's the force to enforce. Amen? See, there's something amazing about this thing called authority. A policeman is probably a good illustration. The policeman packs a weapon, right? But the policeman also has a badge, okay? So we can say that, you know, his, his little gun is, is, his, is the power, right? Like the dunamis power to do something. But his badge is his authority, now, when the police, the policeman can, one policeman can say against 10 thugs, right, 10 criminals, stop in the name of the law. And instantly he has engaged the authority. Is anybody hearing me? So that even if those five criminals have more firepower than he does, anybody hearing me? He has a badge that represents that he is connected to those that are greater than him. And he can literally call in backup. And if necessary, the backup can go all the way to the president if necessary. Anybody hearing me? That's why we need to understand that authority is so powerful because it's the force to enforce. Oh, come on. You can have power to do something, but you need a force to enforce because there's times when demons are stubborn. Listen, has anyone dealt with enough spirits to know some of them are stubborn? Let me see your hand if you know they're stubborn. And sometimes they don't want to leave and they don't want to quit harassing and they want to keep inflicting sickness and they want to keep attacking your family. So even though you're using Holy Ghost power against them, their stubbornness is causing them to keep doing it. So what we have to do is shift. Come on, we're going to keep, keep the power going, but we're going to shift 
to authority. Oh, somebody hear me. While we're shifting to authority, now angel armies are at our disposal. Come on. We got some backup because of the badge. But the badge represents also submission to authority. We're going to get to that in a moment. Amen. See, only the authority you come under is the authority you will assume as your own. Somebody needs to get a hold of that. You serve for authority. Anybody hearing me? I said you serve for authority. And, and we're going to get to the word submission here in a moment, but the, ne the next point I need to hit here, we talked about delegation. Let's talk about revelation. Why? Because if you don't have a revelation of authority you will never operate in that authority because you won't know what it is. You won't know how to yield to it. You won't know how to get more of it. You won't know how to operate it. So you won't operate in it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 and 3, and I, I love this verse. I love all the Word of God, but there are certain verses that really trigger certain things. Amen? Trigger a lot. Amen? Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace is multiplied. Did you know grace and peace can be multiplied? That means it can be increased. How is it increased? Through revelation knowledge of the Word of God. So if God's Word can multiply something and increase something in your life, then it's worth, it's worth digging in and gaining more knowledge of. Amen? Because you know what grace is? Come on, that's God's ability given to you. Do you know what peace is? It's wholeness. It's completeness. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Total wholeness. Isn't that awesome? Now look at the next verse. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things, someone say all things, that pertain to life and godliness. That, mean, that means it pertains to the natural and the supernatural. Through the knowledge of God that's called us to glory and virtue. So, if we get everything, everything through this knowledge and this revelation, both in the natural and in the spirit, then authority will be received and increased by an increase of the revelation knowledge of the Word of God about authority. Are we seeing that? So, if you need an increase of something, you need an increase of the Word of God. Amen. A revelation of the word. Now, I saw this verse, and I, I, I think you're going to love it. Go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12, and we'll read through verse 16. In Proverbs 8, I saw some things about wisdom. How many knows God's word is his wisdom? Amen. You want to know what wisdom is? It's the word revealed. Amen. And then prudence is the word that's revealed that you have applied. It's called prudence. Wise actions, right? So in Proverbs chapter 8, let's look at verse 12, and it said, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Witty inventions means ideas that produce prosperity. Isn't that awesome? It's all connected to the wisdom of God, which is his revelation of his word. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Look at verse 14, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Now look at verse 16. You've got to see this. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By the wisdom of God, we rule and reign with God's authority. Isn't that wonderful? So as there is an increase of the revelation of God's word, which is his wisdom, that's how we rule and how we reign in this earth, by an increase of that. So the level, get this, the level of my revelation about authority is the level I will operate in authority. Is anyone catching this? So it's the level of my revelatory knowledge and understanding of it scripturally. How many knows that's why you need to read and then study and then meditate? Anybody hearing that? You need to read the Word, study the Word, and meditate on the Word. And what I love is I love to study subjects. I'll get into the Word and something will leap off the page and it's a subject. 
And then I'd get a concordance, you know, and, and used to I'd have the big, thick, strongs <laughs> I'd carry with me. And now I can do it all on my phone. Hallelujah. So anyway, <laughs> technology, right? And so I'm able to study all the scriptures, Old and New Testament, on a particular subject. And while I'm doing that, I'm gaining the understanding. Remember, that's the wisdom of it. I'm gaining the understanding. While I'm gaining understanding on that particular subject, get this, that particular subject is coming alive in my life, and the power of it is beginning to be accessible to me. Let's say, for instance, that I, I, uh, something about healing. You know, he sent his word. In fact, one time I, was, I looked up the word sent. He sent the word. He sent the word that healed us. He sent the word. It's the sent word that heals you. Come on, somebody. Amen. And he said, it's going to prosper in the thing word to I sent it. When I looked up sent, it means the word assigned by the spirit for your particular situation. A rhema. A revelation. So when you get a sent word, see, no matter what you're facing, study the word, come on, meditate on the word, till you get a scripture that fits your situation, that's an answer to your situation. Meditate on that, come on somebody, till the rhemas of it, the revelation of it comes to you. And then stand on that. That's what's going to manifest. That's how, listen, that, that's when what the Word says becomes what the Word does in your life. Instead of us reading the Word and going, boy, I wish, that was hap- I wish that Scripture was happening in my life. Well, there's a way to see that take place. When that Word becomes rhema to you, that Word will become actually manifestation in your life. Is anybody getting excited about this? Amen? Amen. When it comes alive in your heart, you've got to get it in your mouth. That's the next step. You have to speak that out. Amen? You have to speak that out. You've got to get it, not only in your heart, but then get it in your mouth and do it continually, no matter what the circumstances say. Because it takes time for manifestations of, of the Spirit to happen in the natural. Did you know that? It takes time. I, I don't know why that's, that is, but it's true. Jesus cursed a fig tree one day. 24 hours later, it was dried up from the root system up, but took 24 hours to appear in the natural, though under the ground in the unseen realm, so to speak, it withered up immediately under the ground, which represented the spirit realm. See, when you start operating in the word of God and in the spirit, in the spirit, come on, the root system of disease, the root system of your problem is withered away the moment you start using the revelation of the word in the spirit. But it takes time for it to show up in the natural. How many taking hold of this? Amen. So you have to understand what I call faith's manifestation time, FMT. You have to understand that. Otherwise, you'll give up. And you know, when you give up, then you don't get the blessing. You lose it. So it's through faith and what? Patience. You can inherit all the promises. And the reason is because of FMT, faith's manifestation time. And what takes place in the spirit realm is instant, but to get it into the natural, it takes time. And the devil tries to use that to his advantage over us. Woo, glory. How many knows this is revelatory? This will help you walk in victory, right? Hallelujah. So, and so we, you, you've got to see, how many knows that we have to see what the Word says? We have to see what it says. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to take you to Matthew 28, 18, where Jesus said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. And the word power there is exousia. You know what Jesus said? I have all authority. Matthew 28, 18, he said, I have all authority. That's, that's the word power there in the Greek. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power, the word power there is exousia, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. It means all authority. I have legal jurisdiction. I have a force of power. I have the force that will enforce whatever needs to take place. And that's the Jesus we serve. Amen? Isn't that awesome? 
And that's why it's important. So we've talked about delegation. We talked about revelation. Let's move on to the word submission. Because Jesus has all power in heaven and earth, then we need to submit to the one who has all authority in heaven and earth. Because authority is always delegated. Where did Jesus get all authority? He got it from the Father. You know, Jesus obeyed the Father. We see that from Philippians chapter 2. In fact, we can, we can swiftly go there. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus submitted to the Father, and therefore, what authority the Father had, he gave to the Son, Jesus. That's why Jesus could say, now I have all authority in heaven and earth. Amen? So in Philippians chapter 2, let's look at verse 5. I'm going to try to hit this as quickly as I can. Amen? I want you to get the word. Let this mind. And I was reading that one day, and the word let kept coming to me. Let. Let. That's important. Let this mind be in you. That means we have something to do with it. Amen? You have something to do with having the kind of mind that Jesus does. In fact, we're supposed to have the mind of Christ, but you've got to let it. You've got to let it operate in you. You've got to spend time in the Word. You need to let it. Spend time reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God. You need to let it. Let the mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And look at verse 6, and we'll move on through the verses here. Hallelujah. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a what? That's how you get a delegation of authority. Submission brings a delegation of authority, an increase even. There are levels, there are increases of it. Any, we have anybody here that's ever served in the military? Lift your hand. You've ever served in the military? Keep your hand real high. Amen. Okay. Those who have served in the military know that there's step and rank. True? And that you can start off on the lowest level. You can start off as a buck private or whatever, you know, whatever armed forces you happen to be in. You can start on the lower level, but you don't have to stay there. And the best way to get a promotion is submit to authority. Do what they tell you. Keep your nose clean, right? Keep it low and keep it clean and do whatever you're told to do. Just submit to authority. Don't buck the system. Don't act like you know more than everybody else. Keep your mouth shut. Don't speak unless you talk to. Come on, somebody. Amen. And my dad said, he remembered in the military, anytime one of the sergeants would go, hey, you, he said, I never turned around. He said, I only turned around if they mentioned my name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Whoever, whoever hey you was and turned around, they, they were doing some KP, man. They're going to do some, they're going to clean up stuff. The hey you's clean up. Because they don't know who they are. They just know they're a hey you. Amen. How I many knows you need, you need to know you're more than a hey you? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many loves the extras? Amen. God knows how to give us extras when we need them, right? So submission to authority. Jesus submitted to authority. Took upon himself the form of a servant. Servanthood or serving God and, get this, serving others causes God to delegate a greater level of authority in your life. And was made in the likeness of men. Look at verse 8 now. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. How I many knows to, to operate in authority, you've got to humble yourself first. Humble yourself in the body hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. First submission to authority, then God exalts you. And, and, and I want you to hear this. People say, well, oh, I'll submit to God, but I won't submit to man. Then you're not submitting to God because God has a chain of command and people are a part of his chain. So if you can't submit to a man, you can't submit to God. Because God commissioned, come on, men and women of God into the fivefold ministry, come on somebody, and called them. And you have to learn to submit to those who are, God has already called and put his hand upon. That's where, the, that's where that chain of command starts flowing. That's where that authority starts flowing. It'd be like the buck private, you know, saying to the sergeant, I don't have to listen to you. I'm only going to listen to the president. How many knows that that little buck private's going to wind up in the brig? 
Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll be scrubbing toilets for the rest of his life. Come on, somebody. Because you have to understand that authority flows down. Come on, somebody. It comes down. We have to understand submission to authority. Amen. You have to understand that. He humbled himself. Wow. And became, somebody say obedience. Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And now look at verse 9. After all this submission, after all this servanthood, after all this obedience, look at verse 9. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Amen. Come on, somebody. So you, God will never increase you till you first decrease yourself. I'm talking about in your own eyes. I'm talking about with pride. God will never increase somebody in, in, his, in his anointing, in his authority, who has a spirit of pride on them. But it reminds me of a story of several years ago, we had a young man that was working with us in the church. And uh, it, I'll just say his name was Andrew because it was. But anyway, he worked in the church with us. <laughs> his initials were Andrew. Anyway, uh, he worked with us in the church. But uh, he'd been a graduate of this Bible school, you know. And so he wore his three-piece suits and he had his little calling card and uh, everybody else had to serve him because everybody else was the flunky. He was the graduate from Bible school. I'm serious. That was his attitude. He actually said that. And so we were, our church was growing, and so we were looking for a bigger building, and in between we rented a school, a high school or junior high auditorium. And so we had to go in and set up everything, all the sound equipment, get everything ready to go before every service and after every service, tear it down. We also were in contract to clean all the restrooms and clean up the whole facility. And so I was asking people to help me, but Andrew was always, let the flunkies do it. I'm the, come on, I'm, I'm the Bible school graduate here. Everybody else was a flunky. I started teaching him, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He that is greatest in the kingdom, Jesus said, is the one who's the servant of all. And I had another very important verse that I thought was amazing. In 1 Timothy 3.13, you've got to see this. The Bible actually tells you how to get a promotion in the Spirit. How many would like to get a promotion in the Spirit to another level of authority? So that when you open your mouth, demons know who you are and they have to act real fast. I like that, don't you? For they that have used the office of a deacon, the word deacon means servant. Servant. For they that have operated, come on, as, serv as a servant to the body of Christ and done it well, done a good job, will purchase, the word purchase means to acquire for themselves a good degree. Now the word degree in the Greek is the word bathmos. B-A-T-H is like the word bath, dash mos. And that's pronunciation of it. But what it means is promotional in step and rank. Promoted in step and in rank. So that when you open your mouth, come on, you're on another level. And demons have to hear you and obey. And so do angels. Because you've had a promotion. How do you get it? Humbling yourself. Becoming obedient. Serving God. Serving man. Serving each other. The greatest thing you'll ever do is serve one another. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. His, Jesus, the Son of God, the Master, the Creator of the whole universe, gets down on his hands and knees with a towel and with a basin of water and washes the dirty, smelly feet of his own disciples and says to them, If I would wash your feet, you should wash one another's feet. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go into a foot-washing ministry. It's what it represents. It represents serving each other, humbling yourself, helping one another, right? Serving your brothers and sisters, serving in the church, right? Serving the pastors, doing all you can to help. So I kept teaching this to this man. 
And I would ask him every day, what are you requiring? What are you getting? Are you getting a promotion? He said, oh, pastor, I'm getting a promotion. I'm serving. And so he would come to church then, after church, take his coat off, take his tie off, come on, and get in there and start working. One evening he came to me and he said, pastor, he said, man, that commode in the men's room is bad. What are we going to do? And I said, Andrew, we're under contract. We've got to clean it up. Okay, pastor. Now, Andrew was the kind of person that if he helped change the diapers of his own children, he would throw up. So I'm thinking, hmm, this is going to be a real test. Amen. And so anyway, after I told him we got to clean it up, I went ahead and finished up everything in the auditorium. And then I got to thinking, hmm, where's Andrew? So I went to check on him. And going down the hallway to the men's uh, uh, restroom, I could hear singing and some kind of a sound, like a sloshing sound. I opened the door, and he's got one of those plumber's helpers with an extension on it. And he's plunging while he's singing, this is the day, this is the day. And the sloshing, and that stuff has sloshed all over his suit. But he is smiling. Hello, pastor, I just about got it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I said, wow, that's great, Andrew. I'll be right back. When I went out the door down the hall, the Lord said, have him preach Wednesday night. Now, the Lord had never told me to have him preach. Had him preach Wednesday night. When he began to preach, the fire of God fell on him. People were falling out all over the place, getting healed. He was prophesying in detail, just like we do. God, he was doing, and he, afterwards he said, he started crying. I've never ministered like this in my life. I've never seen the power of God like this before. He said, let me tell you a story. And he told everybody how his attitude was that he wouldn't serve and how that he finally was willing to clean a toilet if necessary. And he said, now I'm looking for another toilet to clean. Amen. Come on, the anointing, the authority level went higher than it had ever, ever been in his life. Is anybody hearing me? That's the importance of understanding submission to authority. That's how important it is. Now go to, to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 through 9. I'm going to go as quickly as I can. Hallelujah. How many's enjoying it tonight? Anybody learning something? Amen. Are you seeing where you could apply it? Are you seeing how this could actually become a part of your life? Amen. That's important. In Matthew 8, look at verse 5 through 9. I want you to see it. When Jesus was entered in a Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Verse 6. And saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, and grievously tormented. Look at verse 7. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Look at verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now, this was because of the man's understanding of authority. He said, you don't actually have to come to my house. I understand how authority works. All you have to do is say it because you are of authority. Is anybody hearing me now? Now, the next verse is interesting. I want you to see this. For I am a man, look at this, under authority. That's how it works. You have to submit under authority, right? You know the word submission, the word sub means come under another mission. So when you come into a church, if your vision is different than the vision of the house, set it aside. Otherwise, you're going to bring division. Two visions is division. Find out the vision of the house and submit. Sub Come under the mission of the house and help that house bring that mission to pass. Then lay yours on, on, on the shelf, and if it's really of God, God will make sure that comes to pass in the future for you. Come on, how many just learned something right there? Amen? Wow. I'm a man under authority. I have soldiers under, under me. 
And I say to this man, go, he goes, to another come, and he comes, to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So this man was already submitted under authority as a military man. He understood authority because, guess what? He served under authority. You'll never understand authority till you stand under authority. Amen? You'll never understand the power of giving till you give. You'll never understand the power of serving till you serve. You'll never understand the deeper truths of God till you get involved in doing them. Amen? Then, then as you see, see the results, you'll go, now I understand. Amen? And, and get this. Jesus, in the very next verse, it's amazing what Jesus has to say in the very next verse. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Another word for marvel is amazed. Jesus was, was and is the Son of God, and he was amazed. How many would like to amaze God? Anybody here like to amaze God? Get an understanding of authority, and you'll amaze God, because most people don't understand it. In the body of Christ, very few get it. In fact, God, God knows it so much, he's amazed when somebody does. Come on. Jesus is amazed when somebody gets this. Hallelujah. And because this is a, a very amazing church to me, an awesome church of love, I believe most of you can get it. Amen? Lift your hand and say, I'm getting it. I'm making a confession. I'm getting this. Amen. <laughs> this is important to my life, to my destiny, to my future. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. He said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith... No, not in all of Israel. Anybody hearing me? Your understanding of authority will radically affect your faith. Anybody hear this? It will radically affect your faith. Why? Because you'll understand that when you are under authority, submitted to authority, the authority you submit to is the authority you'll operate in, and it's always greater than yours. And it will engage the angel armies. Come on, somebody. And it will literally scare and chase off the demonic forces. Amen. Authority. The force to enforce. Anybody getting this? Are you letting it get into you? Hallelujah. I want to hit number four. How many is ready for number four? As quickly as I can. I call it impartation. Go to Romans 1, 11. Romans 1, 11. Impartation. Yes, Lord. There's a delegation. There's also an impartation. Amen. You can get an impartation from those who have authority that you've submitted to, of course. It's similar to delegation. Amen. But I think you'll understand it maybe from another angle. I long to see you that I may impart, share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen and establish you. Are, is anybody seeing here that when you begin to submit to other authorities, other people who are operating in a different level of authority, there's an impartation available for you, as well as the delegation. See, a delegation, com oh, a delegation comes from God, an impartation comes from man. How many just understood the difference? A delegation comes from God. An impartation comes from man, from somebody else who has it. Amen? Isn't that awesome? But he said, I long to see you. The word see you means be with you. You need to hang out with the right kind of people. You'll become like the company you keep. Amen? In fact, in the, in the book of Proverbs, it said, stay away from an angry man lest you learn his ways and be just like him. You hang out with people who have anger problems, you'll find yourself having anger problems, you get an impartation. Gonna get quiet in here. Who are you spending most of your time with? Take a good hard look at them. You'll be just like them. Gonna get quiet in here. What ministries do you listen to? You'll be just like them. Amen? What ministries do you submit under? You'll be just like them. Isn't that awesome? 
Praise God. That's why you really got to be careful coming to our services. Because you'll get some of this. Man, cancers and tumors will disappear wherever you minister, wherever you go. Blinded eyes will open. Demons will just take off and run. Yeah, I mean, you got to really be careful about that. Amen. <laughs> some of y'all will get that later. What is he saying? Amen. That was tongue in cheek. Amen. When you hang out with people, you become like them. The ministries you allow to minister to you, you'll become just like them. Hallelujah. Amen. It's kind of like the, the word anoint in the Old Testament means, means to have oil rubbed off on you. Several years ago, my son and I, when he was younger, I used to change my oil trying to save money. I'm not even a shade tree mechanic. I'm worse than that. But I was doing, yeah, I, come on, I was trying to save a buck. And so I'd, I'd get my son, he would help me, you know, and we'd get under the car and, you know, I'd be changing the oil and sometime in the process, I would wind up with more of that dirty oil on me than I did in the basin I was trying to catch the dirty oil in. And I'd have oil over, over me. But I found out when I got out from under the car, my son Chris had the same amount of oil on him. And the reason is he was rubbing up next to daddy. Amen. You hang out with oily people, you just get oily. Amen. Isn't that right? You hang out with people of joy, you're going to find yourself having joy. You hang out with people of faith, you're going to find yourself having faith. You hang out with people who are skeptical, you'll become skeptical. Come on. It's the people that you hang out with. You become, the Bible says, like the company you keep. In fact, over in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, Proverbs 13 and 20, it says this. If you run with the wise, you become wise. Isn't that interesting? Run with means hang out with, have a lifestyle connection with them. Amen? He that walketh with wise men, walk is talking about a lifestyle shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Why is a companion of fools destroyed? Because fools are destroyed. So if you become a companion to a fool and fools are destroyed, you get destroyed. It's what comes to fools. Anybody hearing me? So you want to hang out with people of faith instead of people that are foolish. People of faith are not foolish. People who are not of faith are foolish. Amen? Therefore, they don't get miracles. They don't receive things from God. They don't get answers to prayer because they don't believe for them. Do you know why I get miracles all the time? There's actually two reasons why my wife and I and our family get miracles on a regular basis. Number one, we need a lot of miracles. How many of the house starts? No miracles until you need one. Amen. So we need a lot of miracles. Number two, we believe for them. We believe that our God performs them for us. And we set our faith, no matter what it takes, to get into faith and to be people of faith to receive the miracle. So we're all the time getting them. Amen. So why, why does Brother Phil always get miracles? Why is there always, everywhere he goes, just miracles, miracles, miracles. Number one, I need them or other people around me need them. Number two, I'm believing for them and I'm encouraging others to believe for them. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. Go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. Ah, God is so good. God is so good. I'm going to show you what happened. One way you have impartation is the people you connect to, the people you sow into. We, this is our third time to be here, and every service, you wonderful people have sowed offerings, love offerings into our ministry. And, and Pastor Elaine, you're 100% right. These are the most giving, loving people anywhere in the world. It's all true. It's all true. No wonder the Holy Spirit just hovers over this place all the time. Amen. It's a place of love. It's a place of prayer. It's a place of generosity. It's a place of loving God more than you love yourselves. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is always hovering over this place. 
But in Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 3. I want to show you this. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And Paul was really, the, the church at Philippi was partnering with Paul. Paul was a missionary and they helped him. They stood with him. And he said, he said, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day into now. The word fellowship here talks to me contribution. It's koinonia, but the meaning here is contribution or distribution. They were faithful to help Paul preach the gospel. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of, of Jesus Christ. And, and this is the verse I want you to focus on, Okay. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds, in the defense, and the confirmation. How many knows what confirmation of the gospel is? Gifts of the Spirit, healing, miracles, signs, wonders. That's confirmation. And confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. In other words, Paul said, the grace that I operate in to have such miracles, signs, and wonders, because you've partnered with me, you are now a partaker in the grace level I have. See, whatever ministry you sow into, you tap into the grace level they're operating in now. Not the grace level you're operating in, the grace level they're operating in. And that's why Paul said in, in Philippians 4 and 19, now my God shall supply all your need. He didn't say your God. He said my God. In other words, he said the level I receive is the level you're going to receive because you have been sowing into my ministry. Now, how many knows we've already done the offerings? The offering's already done. I'm not trying to get you to do anything. I'm trying to help you understand how blessed you are because you have been doing it. Amen? Because it's all about you now receiving the benefit of it. Isn't that beautiful? See, God wants you to see this. Authority is received. Authority through delegation, revelation, submission, and impartation. And it's increased. How many is going to keep working the Word? Amen? God's Word works when you work God's Word. Amen? I said, God's word works when you work God's word. Put it to practice in your life. Use it. It'll work. The stuff that we've been preaching to you. In fact, I want to give you one little verse just to end on. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. Not 19, but verse 9. Philippians 4, 9. Paul is saying this to his partners. And I want to say to everyone here, because you've sown into our ministry time and time again for the last three times we've been here. So you qualify for this. Practice what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. And the God of peace, of un, untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. I want to leave that with you. Amen. Practice what we have taught you. That which we have released. We've been releasing a lot of stuff. Amen? And that's why it would be good to go back over this. I, I, is, are these being recorded or how are these? Okay. So go back over the recordings of it and soak it and soak it and soak it. And then determine to put it to practice in your life. That the full of, fullness of the blessing may begin to manifest in you. Isn't that wonderful? I want to say this to you as I've already closed the message part of it. But I want you to be encouraged. The Lord has miracles for many of you tonight. The Lord's releasing some very special things to many people based on the authority. Years ago, I used to lay hands on the sick and I would just, you know, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And that's a good thing to do. That, I was halfway right. I was halfway there but I'd only see about 30% of the people get healed until the Lord taught me authority. He said, do what I taught your disciples to do. He said, I taught my disciples to use power and authority. And they were able to cure diseases, to preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick. 
So I began to speak to illness and command the problem to go. If I'm dealing with someone with diabetes, I take authority over the spirit of diabetes. And I tell diabetes, you have no right to be in this person's body. And I command you to loose yourself immediately and go in the name of Jesus. Stop right now. Desist your operations against them. I break all generation curses. I take authority over diabetes and I command diabetes to go. Now I'm going to now speak to the pancreas and command it to work right and produce the right amount of insulin, not too little and not too much. And I speak to the body that the body will not reject what insulin is produced. So there won't be insulin rejection, which many times is the biggest problem. Command the devil to go, then release the healing flow and watch the miracle begin to take place. Amen. You stand, I know there's times you have to stand your ground. I understand that. But we have to understand what authority is. So if I minister to someone with arthritis, I'm going to take authority over arthritis. First thing. A good way to remember this is AA. Authority, then anointing. How many is going to start ministering with AA? That's not Alcoholics Anonymous either. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That's authority and anointing. When you start operating in authority and anointing, many places where I preach, we'll see 80 up to 100% of the people healed. It's true. Because of AA, authority and then anointing. Because what you don't understand, Satan has done his best to attack mankind. Satan hates you. He wants everybody here sick. He wants everybody here in poverty. He wants everybody here messed up. If he could just flat out kill you, he would. Notice you're still alive, so he doesn't have all that much power. Come on, somebody. You know, sometimes we just got to think about it. Why are you so scared of him? You're still alive. His ultimate thing was to steal, kill, and destroy. He would have already killed you if he could have, and he hasn't been able to. So guess what? He's not all that in a bag of chips. Come on, somebody. You know, there's some people, oh, I'd be afraid to say that to the devil. Why? It's the truth. The book of Isaiah said, one day we will look at this little creature and point our finger and say, this little thing, this little scrawny thing, is what deceived the nations? See, Satan operates out of deception. He's kind of like the Wizard of Oz. Come on, somebody. It's all deception. When behind the scenes, he ain't nothing. Come on. Smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors. Does he have power? Yeah, he's got a little bit of power, but as zero authority. God has all power and God has all authority. Amen. Satan's, listen, Satan's evil is not equal to God's good. You didn't get hold of that. Satan was a created being much, in fact, I'll get, I'll get this. In the end time, God won't even mess with him. God will say, Michael, just get rid of the riffraff. Take the trash out, Michael. Did you know that? God won't even throw him in there. You know why? He's he's beneath me. He's nothing compared to me. So, Michael, take the trash out. See, some of y'all need... See, we're seeing the devil as all this big, bad, mean, you know. We need to see him who he really is. He's a nothing and a nobody compared to our God. Amen. He didn't always exist. He was a created being. He was just an angel created. I said he was just an angel created. I said he was just an angel created. He wasn't equal with God. Woo, somebody's getting excited right now. Our God's a conqueror. Our God's the overcomer. Our God's the master of the universe. There is no greater power than Jesus. Come on. Somebody get excited about Jesus. Woo. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. 
The word Lord is kurios, master of the universe, supreme ruler of the universe. That's our Jesus. Who lift your hand and say, I receive what the Lord has said tonight. Lord, seal it in my heart. Seal it in my mind. Bring it to my remembrance. Help me to practice the truths, the revelation that was released tonight. Help me to put it to practice, to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. For the doer is the blessed one. The doer gets the blessing. Say, I'm a doer. I plan on doing. How many plan on doing? Come on, how many plan on doing it? Then you're going to be blessed. That's where the blessing comes. See, I'm blessed by releasing it to you, but you're blessed by doing it. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Years ago, my dad was preaching, really, really good preaching. And after the service, one of the lady, ladies walked over to him and said, Pastor, that message blessed me. Oh, that blessed me. Oh, that blessed me. Oh, that blessed me. He said, no, it didn't. She said, what? You don't get the full blessing till you do what I just preached. If you think you got blessed by hearing it, wait till you start doing it. Come on, come on somebody. If you think you got blessed, and I'm sure you did, by hearing these messages today, wait till you start doing it. And you get the full benefit of it. Father, thank you for what you're doing right now. Thank you for the release of power. Thank you for the release of glory. Thank you for the increase. Thank you for what you're about to do. In the next few moments, we give you glory. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.